a complete zero emissions by 2025. I have one more question excuse in this pot. And then excuse we, me, we have- he was against fracking. He said it. I will show that to you tomorrow. I Good. am against fracking. Until he got the nomination, went to Pennsylvania, then he said, but you know what, Pennsylvania? He'll be against it very soon because his party is totally against fracking it. Fracking on federal land, I said. No fracking you and said, or oil on federal land. Let me ask. So, uh... I think everybody's in agreement that uh, Biden got that one wrong. There are tapes of him out there saying the opposite. So, but you know, yeah, he's got a little fudge room on that transition away from fracking. I said, well, it still means no fracking. I mean, but and that federal land caveat that he wedged in there at the end too. Was, well, that was false because he's he's said it without federal land a number of times. He right, may have right. said it with federal land once or twice. So, um, we were uh, we've already discussed a little bit about. The Hunter Biden email story and the guy came out yesterday who's involved in that email chain saying, look, I'm the guy that's mentioned in those emails and it's true. And and Joe Biden is the big guy and uh, and he was aware of Hunter's dealings and all that sort of stuff. And so and Joe gets a percentage of all Hunter's deals or at least the deals that uh, this gent was involved in. And everybody was wondering how the, uh, the, you know, Trump might or might not work that into the debate. And he did work that into debate a little bit, but. He used too much shorthand. Um, yeah, which is often his uh, failing. Here's a little explanation from Steve Hayes on uh, on why that was a mistake to handle it that way. He's living in this world where that stuff is on his mind all the time. So he just jumps right in. And he's in the middle of you know these claims or these conspiracies without ever bothering to bring people along. So he says, oh, yeah, you're the big guy. Well, you might not be the big guy, but I think you're the big guy. Well, you're the big If you haven't been following this, you have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yep. Yep. And um, uh, they made the argument uh, on the Dispatch podcast last night with with some people that have been involved in this sort of stuff that you got. That's, that's where the debate prep stuff would have come in is to you know, practice. How are you going to work this into the conversation if it's not brought up by the moderator? Mm-hmm. How do you set the table, set up the story so people understand what you're talking about and then get to the kill shot? Yeah. Uh, and, and listen, there are times that I'm aware we are, we spend more time criticizing our own side than the other side, uh, to the extent that we have a side. I'm a conservative, proudly. I'd rather see conservatives elected. But um, Part of that reason, you know, I'm a football fan, too. I spend a lot more time talking about my own team than the other team. You know, our strengths and weaknesses, the rest of it. And, um, and oh, my God, I lost my train of thought. Joe Biden-esque. Joe, you forget what you're going to oh, say? Oh. You forgot what you're going to say just a couple of minutes ago? Yeah, but then I remembered uh, Julian Castro. Um, I realize this is an unpopular point of view. I think the Trump rallies are a mistake or they're... They contribute to the problem of him using way too much shorthand mm. because he gets used to audiences right. that know exactly what he's talking about. And all you have to do is say, I wish the big guy was here. How about, uh, I don't know, a little, little Chinese investment? And the crowd goes nuts. 
And and it's easy to forget you need to bring in people. That's the whole point of politics. It's, the it, it's proof he's not a politician in yeah. his defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the classic preaching to the choir. You stand, yeah. up, you stand up in front of your choir and say, let's sing the old rugged, rugged cross. They jump right in. But you do that with a bunch of other people. Like, I don't know the words of so that it's song. A, and there it's a nice song. But, sheets around. <laughs> and why are we singing this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're not bringing me in. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, tell you what. World keeps spinning. Do you think... <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there are many more twists and turns to go? I actually don't think there are many more twists and turns to go in the final eight days, but you think there are or of not? Of the election? Yeah. Y- well, yes. I don't know how much significance they'll have, though, because as of when we're uh, airing this, slash, it will be a podcast for some of you at some point in the near future, uh, 50 million-plus people have already voted. 50 million, that which was be... a third of the vote total last time. Yeah. It's about a quarter of what is expected to be this year. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah, I think the the um, the Tony Bobulinski slash Hunter Biden thing will not be ignored completely, even though I'm looking at the Washington Post right now and they're treating it as if it's a joke, which is to their eternal discredit. But they're no longer journalists there. Um I think it will become significant. The timing is disconcertingly like Watergate. For those who are old enough or real students of history, they know that everybody was aware dimly that there was some investigation going on, some accusations of something at the Watergate Hotel, and Woodward and Bernstein were working hard to back it up and and communicating with Deep Throat and asking people to go on the record and all. And in the midst of all this, Richard Nixon got uh, uh, reelected in a landslide, a gigantic yeah. historic that landslide. story broke before the 72 election. Right. But yeah. it didn't get traction yet. Right. But then it, it got traction. He got booted out of office, yielding, uh, because Spiro Agnew had resigned, uh, Gerald R. Ford, who was a perfectly reasonable and decent human being, becoming the president. Uh, this one will yield the utterly horrific Kamala Harris in the White House. If indeed it gets traction, although the <laughs> the journalists of of yesteryear, that is the cackle of a dangerous woman. Uh, the journalists, uh, uh, journalists of I haven't even gotten started on you, my dear. Um, the journalists of yesteryear were steeped in principle, um, and and the current ones are not not at all. So uh, a couple of highlights from the debate last night. Joe Biden basically did say, if you like your health care plan, you can keep it about Obamacare. Well, he said, if you liked it, you got to keep it and your doctor. And everybody knows it's not true. That was the lie of the year. Uh, 2009, 2010, whenever that was happening. And, From um, the liberal Washington Post, which yeah, we've been because, discussing. Because lots of people lost their health care. Millions. People all across the country got letters saying, we're no longer covering you anymore. Right. Um. So the fact that he got away with that last night, Trump didn't really call him on it. The moderator certainly didn't call him on it, even though the moderator was calling Trump on various things. Also, Biden is out today cleaning up a bit of a mess he got into last night where he said we're going to get off fossil fuel. And Trump said, whoa, whoa, say that again. Say that again so everybody can hear it. That's big news. We're getting off fossil fuel, are we? Did you hear that, Texas? You hear that, Pennsylvania? Anyway, Biden's out today today saying we're not getting rid of fossil fuels for a long time. So he's trying to back that up a bit. There you go. Uh, Which I don't blame him. I got to believe his... His handlers, when he said that clumsily last night, thought, what do, what do, cut that's, his mic! That's his not mic. the talking point! Mute! Mute! Uh, anywho. Yeah, well, each guy had moments last night. I, I, you know, I'm prejudiced, and I admit it. I thought his, 
we got to learn to live with COVID. we got to learn to die with it. When you reach over to touch your spouse and they're dead. <laughs> when, you look at, when you look at the kitchen table and there's nobody there because everybody's dead. Oh, my God. we got to live with it. You died with it. I thought that was way over the top and yeah, phony. Yeah, well, he did that his... last debate, that whole, you know, there are people right now and there's nobody at the kitchen table because of this. And I thought, I don't know a person who's got the COVID at all, let alone somebody who died. I and mean, it's awful, that... obviously. And I get that the, the challenger has to convince everyone they're miserable and or dead, as it turns out. <laughs> I appear to be alive, but maybe I should check again. Uh, I just thought he was way over the top. And I thought his... I apologize for that. His various, I'm the compassionate one, I care about you, came off as just politician speak. Um, but, you know, it's in the eye of the beholder and, and voters are uh, famously difficult to pin down. I don't think the debate's going to make a difference. You think it is going to make a difference? Well, yeah, I 100% think it's going to make a difference. I don't think it will make enough difference, um, which may sound like quibbling, but I, I am not convinced Trump is going to lose. Not at all. Want to bet money? Uh, depends on the terms. If Win or lose? Straight up? No, no. no? If you're asking, you can't d- demand that I bet the long shot and then say even money. That's not the way sure betting can. works. Well, he can, and I can tell him to go to hell. <laughs> Straight up, even money. Yeah. You got a figure in mind? A sum? I don't pick it. Pick a sum. Hey, I got an idea. If Trump wins, Jack, you give me fifty dollars, and if. <laughs> Biden wins, Joe. You give me $50. That's a, that's, that's a nice idea, Michael. How about a finger? Let's, let's make this serious. <laughs> what do you mean a finger? Loser. Use fingers. How about a toe? Loser <laughs> loser has a toe amputated. Oh, jeez. By the winner. <laughs> On air. No anesthesia. <laughs> Bolt cutters. Oh, oh, my God. Barbaric. Oh, my God. Yeah, no kidding. That, Although that if I have like Biden, a, I'd be I'd feel pretty comfortable with it. Sounds like a bet that some Afghanistan radio morning show would do, and they would actually do it. <laughs> I I I. All right, you lose. I give you my daughter. <laughs> oh, you geez. give me my what, oh my somebody's god. daughter. Oh my god. Um, I'd feel fairly comfortable though, even with that bet, because I think Biden's going to win. I want to be wrong. Nothing would make me happier than to be wrong, but I think Biden's going to win. I'd almost be as disturbed cutting off your toe as I would be as having mine cut off. <laughs> I got several toes that are not doing me any en- good. I wouldn't enjoy that process no, at all. I'd have no. to like look away and wince. And, yeah. I might, I might make you do the big toe just to punish you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd have to really put some torque into what it. What do you think get- now, wise guy? <laughs> so, a British journalist embedded himself with Antifa. His conclusions will not shock you. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't make money from China. You do. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. I don't make money from Russia. You made three and a half million dollars, Joe. And your son gave you. They even have a statement that we have to give 10% to the big man. You're the big man, I think. I don't know. Maybe you're not. But you're the big man, I think. Your son said we have to give 10% to the big man. Joe, what's that all about? It's terrible. Perfect example of 
If you're following this story, you know what he was talking about. If you're not, you have no idea what that was about. More on the debate coming up in a few minutes. Stay with us right now, though. uh, Douglas Murray wrote a piece in The Spectator UK, My Week with the Baying Antifa Mob, about beautiful Portlandia, formerly beautiful. Well, Portland's still beautiful in a lot of ways, but... And, and I am going to read more of this to you than I generally would. The writing is so good and so economical, he wastes no words. Cool. I tip my cat to you, Douglas. But he starts the, uh, the piece with uh, a tale of watching a nature documentary. Saw a pa- uh, pack of smaller predators taking down an elephant. Mm. At the time, I remember thinking, why don't you keep running? Why don't you knock the first one off and keep going? Strangely, I thought of that elephant again in the very different Savannah of Portland, Oregon. And we will circle back to that theme. But then he writes, in recent years, this city in the Pacific Northwest has become famous for a variety of reasons, none of them good. As one long-term resident said to me last week, this used to be a very civil town. Not anymore. Of course, like every city in the West, the madnesses that already existed here have been exacerbated by the coronavirus and the ensuing decision to lock down the population and shutter the economy. As in cities across the U.K., the businesses here are mainly closed, many for good. As a result, downtown Portland is a desolate, dangerous place, populated by homeless people who flooded into the area over recent decades, incentivized by left-wing administrations that allowed them to pitch their tents wherever they liked. In the main squares, unattended tables of food and drink are set out for them to pick at. But it isn't just the virus or the reaction of the authorities that led to this wasteland. The giveaways, the statues of the few... The status, rather, of the few shops that are still open. Almost all have hardboard affixed to their remaining windows. Some have bullet holes in them, not fired by the police. The businesses that do still operate do so as a city under siege. Portland has been the epicenter of a confusion that has affected and afflicted a smaller number of activists in our own country. He's talking about Britain. That is the taut perception that they live in a patriarchal, unequal, cis-heteronormative, irredeemably racist society. In time, this defamation sank in and caused a reaction. For years, the city has been regularly rioted by the, uh, seen rioting by the far-left group Antifa. In the name of pursuing non-existent fascists, these activists laid waste to their city, dragging passing motorists from their cars, hospitalizing journalists whose reporting was disobliging, and otherwise turning the city into a first-world slum. Then he mentions uh, George Floyd and the protest. Uh, the ones in Portland were among the most violent in the U.S., and they're still going on. Um, the left-wing mayor forbade the police from working with the federal authorities to act meaningfully, meaningfully against the rioters. And at the forthcoming mayoral election, the only candidate running against him is an open supporter of Antifa. Recent successful operations carried out by this candidate's favored militia include the pulling down of almost every statue and public monument in the city. The weekend before last, it was Abraham Lincoln who fell. On another occasion, in a quasi-pagan ceremony, rioters repeatedly set a monument of an elk on fire and pulled it down. A tour of the sites in Portland now comprises a huge variety of empty plinths. Few tourists will be returning for that. The remaining state and federal buildings are boarded up, graffitied over, and abandoned. Then he gets to the main point of his thing, which is he joined Antifa BLM activists uh, for several nights. last I guess it was last week. <clears throat> last week, because it's still going on. Oh, yeah. Any week is fine. If you couldn't make it last week, go next week. First, there was the F gentrification march, my first. With no policemen in sight, the activists used their own police force, including outriders on motorcycles, to block off roads, parade through the streets, screaming through megaphones that anybody living there, the remaining people in bars and residents, had stolen their homes from black and indigenous families. The people who lived in many of these houses came out and put their fists in the air, waved in solidarity, 
solidarity. Most had BLM or don't hurt me posters in their windows, uh, etc. They chanted, wake up, MF or wake up. Night later, we were outside the Immigration Customs Enforcement Facility by the waterfront. This federal facility was boarded up, but Antifa liked to try to burn these buildings down with the occupants inside. So the federal authorities remain opposed to this. So a cat and mouse game kicked off, one in which both sides are now practiced. The Antifa activists hurled projectiles, etc., etc. Whenever things got too crazy and too close, the law enforcement uh, fired tear gas, uh, pepper spray, etc. Um, then they uh, talked about on Saturday, the police came out shooting after fires were started. Antifa made it to the police department door. Uh, there was a running street battle and uh, lots of oink noises from the protesters, including mostly young white women. Uh, shouting Nazis and screaming at the officers about how much the officers' children hate their fathers, <sighs> etc. Then he gets back, and I'm going to have to skip one part I like, but we're running out of, out of time. He said, still, the image comes to mind of the elephant brought down by the smaller predators. America is not being brought low by one beast, but by a whole pack of them. These predators include, though are not limited to, ignorance, Educational failure, radical indoctrination, pandemic, poverty, narcissism, Mm. boredom, the disappearance of the adults, a belief that law enforcement is the enemy, and much more. Why America didn't throw off the first attacker and keep moving is a question I cannot shake. That is a good one right there. That's good stuff. Either rise up or be pulled down, my friends. Tony Bubulinski speaks. That coming up. Armstrong and Getty. First of all, it's astonishing. You know, remember, in 2016, we had a total of 120-something million votes cast total in the whole election for Trump and Clinton. Now you've got basically 50 million, and we're 11 days away. So it'll definitely be over 60 million, over half the total vote early. Early voting, mail-in voting before the election. First thing you can make of it is the fact that uh, all of those people, didn't. the debate meant nothing to them last night because they've already voted. We clearly need to restructure the way we're going to do elections starting next time that election day is no longer a thing. We got to stop calling it election day. Yeah, call it the close of voting. Yeah, or election, election deadline. Yeah, day. election deadline or yeah. something, but we you know, we start referring to election month or election months or election season or whatever you want to do, but to have the debates after half of voters have voted is weird. On the other hand, I'm thinking about like my family members. Um, they could have voted uh, on election day, today, last month, or three years ago. They were still going to vote the same way, right? So, uh, although I don't, I don't. A lot see, of those voters, you know, I don't know if that makes any difference. There is no compelling argument to me to uh, have anybody vote more than two weeks before an election. It's just, it's, uh, it's a complete remaking of what an election is, and I haven't heard a compelling reason to do it. It seems like it's pushing people more toward. I just vote my team. If you're going to have this long period of just kind of, you know, just whenever you get around to it. Yeah, it it seems like it's weirdly accidentally thrown together. How about we have three debates or two or whatever? We can argue about that. But I say let's have three debates, each of them four weeks out from the election, and then have voting begin two weeks before the election. 
I mean, let's compress this thing. Let's make it much more punchy, much more easy to pay attention to, much more thick with information. Then we vote. Well, I want less voting, not more. I'm I'm one of those people. Vote but, suppression. But if we're gonna um, racist or something, if we're gonna extend it, I certainly think two weeks is plenty. Yeah. Why do you need months? Well, I, what's the point of that? I also think, and if I left this unsaid, I apologize uh, deeply and humbly. Uh, it contributes to the spreading out of this horrible, torturous. Uh, mesmerizing horror show, right? As Pete Buttigieg put it once, um, of this <laughs> this eternal election cycle. Hey, there's Adele uh, doing her promo for Saturday Night Live. Man, she looks completely different since she lost all the way. She is kept that it off so far. Yeah, yeah, good for her. That's tough to do. How old is she? About thirty five or something. She's like that? young. Uh, yeah. She she also has got more money than God. I think I could lose weight and keep it off if I had a chef that traveled with me and cost was no option. She's and a personal trainer. Yeah, thirty two. Yeah, make me delicious food all day long that's healthy and have it, like, within arm's reach. Right. Yeah, you can do it. And then if you don't like it, you throw it in their face and storm out. Yeah, you fire Fire them in a... That's optional. In a dramatic manner. Belittle them first. Yes. Belittle them, then fire. Please. Yes. (laughs) You won't slice a salami anywhere close to the Mediterranean. I don't know where she actually lives. (laughs) Uh, I like this tweet. It's from Jonathan Carl of ABC, retweeted by Jonathan Swan. I like them both being involved in this. At a fundraiser tonight, last night, Kamala Harris played trivia and answered questions from the cast of The Avengers. And with that, the Democratic VP nominee has now taken more questions from the cast of The Avengers than from the traveling press covering her campaign. Wow. That's a good tweet from Jonathan Swan. Wow. Because they can. Because you can. Or because they think they can. Well, they can. They're right. They well, can. We'll see. All right. Listen to you. They'll get your toe you're, out. You're going to look like... <laughs> Take off your sock. <laughs> you're going to look like an ass again this time, just like 2016. Folks, we're going to enjoy this together, aren't we? And old Jack has to eat crow. I didn't predict... Eat his truck. Huh? I don't remember thinking, predicting Trump was going to lose the presidency. I, I bet I'm my truck... I'm reinventing it. It's false news. It's fake news. <laughs> I bet my truck that he would never be the nominee long right. before he ever um, even announced. Yeah. I didn't think he'd ever run. Right. It was like January of 2015, you said that? Or earlier. Yeah. I've yeah. been saying for years, why does anybody pay attention to Donald Trump's political leanings right why did Mitt romney go to kiss his ring yeah well you were unawares unawares of the the earthquake happening in the middle of the country is this an earthquake you're an elitist that's your problem i tried to be sitting there in a jack johnny I, cash t-shirt and a <laughs> farm hat <laughs> a seven dollar target johnny cash t-shirt i didn't say oh, you I were a know. good elitist um um where's my sh- oh here it is is this an earthquake Old uh, Tony Bobolinsky. And there was the earthquake. 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 We're experiencing an earthquake. Earthquake. So- still happening. <laughs> it is still happening, Jack, even as the press ignores it. So one way or another, the FBI got a hold of Hunter Biden's laptop, and Giuliani got it leaked out to the press to a, to a certain extent. And uh, nobody's denying that, that they're real. Um, and there are emails in there that at least make you ask the question, was Joe Biden involved in some of these business dealings or 
you know, there are references to the big guy and to H and what's going on there. The well, chairman. Well, one of the guys on the other end of some of these emails involved in the business dealings came forward yesterday. Well, he was the CEO of the company formed with the Bidens. Former Navy officer putting his reputation and name on the line. He walked out yesterday and said this. I'm making the statement to set the record straight about the involvement of the Biden family. Vice President Biden, his brother Jim Biden, and his son Hunter Biden in dealings with the Chinese. I've heard Joe Biden say that he's never discussed business with Hunter. That is false. And he uh, and he's waving around some cell phones that he's got, and he's got a stack of papers that are emails and texts that he's willing to show, and he goes on to say this. On May 13, 2017, I received an email concerning allocation of equity, which says 10% held by H for the big guy. In that email, there's no question that H stands for Hunter, big guy for his father, Joe Biden, and Jim for Jim Biden. In fact, Hunter often referred to his father as the big guy or my chairman. On numerous occasions, it was made clear to me that Joe Biden's involvement was not to be mentioned in writing, but only face-to-face. In fact, I was advised by Gillian Walker that Hunter and Jim Biden were paranoid about keeping Joe Biden's involvement secret. So the Washington Post and uh, NPR and various other outlets are saying they can't confirm that this is legit. The New York Post says... Although WAPO is mocking it openly. The New York Post says Bobulinski showed their reporters three phones spanning from 2015 to 2018, saying there were evidence that he would provide the FBI uh, and that he has evidence that shows that Joe Biden was cut in on the China business proposal. Now, Bobulinski which is not a name that helps him in any way. I mean, what are you going to do? What, What's your name? an anti-Polish uh, racist? It just bigot? got kind of a mobster, sleazy sound to it. I know wow, that's, uh, well, that's bigoted. It is bigoted. That's actually bigoted. It is a bigoted. Yes. but You, you need get, to stop. Th- that's The, kind the of, problem is that it's kind of funny. It sounds like Bobolinsky the Clown or something. Sounds like the names you hear in mob movies. All right. Doesn't mean anything. But in terms of, you know, it's Rudy Giuliani and this Bobolinsky guy and everything, I think it helps the Washington Post and the New York Times and NPR ignore it. That's a bizarre thing to say, but I think you may be right. I think they're bigoted in that they, they, yes. they make it, it sounds, you know, anyway. Yes. Um, he is speaking to Senate investigators right now in Washington, D.C. May I? Bobolinsky is. May I jump back? Who is this guy, and why has he come forward? I think it's important to know. Jack mentioned he's a former, uh, a former naval officer. He was the CEO recruited to run this company formed by the Biden family uh, in connection with this Chinese energy giant. The Chinese energy giant uh, was investigated for money laundering and was shut down by the Chinese government. And I think the head Chinese guy has not been seen for quite some time. Okay? Mm. And... The reason the FBI has the laptop is, according to multiple sources, uh, for a, uh, a multifaceted money laundering investigation. So this guy, now, now I'm making a leap of logic, but I feel pretty comfortable in doing it. The Washington Post, their headline is, Campaign trots out former business associate Hunter Biden ahead of debate. Um, 90 minutes a, before the debate, he came out. In a staged event, blah, blah, blah. What 
That means I don't, I don't know. know. Every press conference that's ever been held has been staged. It's supposed to be spontaneous? Yeah. Well, oh, hey, look, a room. Hey, reporters. What are these microphones for? Right. <laughs> exactly. Balloons fall from the ceiling. Surprise! So <laughs> the Washington Post just snickeringly dismissing this, which is ironic given their history, given their history of great journalism. This guy is a is an honest business person with a reputation who has come to understand he has become involved in something that is bigger than he imagined, dirtier than he imagined, and may be involved in international money laundering, and he is terrified. And he has gone to the FBI and the Senate uh, uh, Foreign Relations Committee and everything, said, here's everything I have Everything I know. Here are my computers, my cell phones. I am not hiding anything from you people. I am bearing my soul. Hmm. That is why he's come forward. He's terrified. Well. But he's being dismissed as a stage of some clown. The Trump campaign trotted out. He didn't see I didn't see that verbiage when those friggin' crackpots were demeaning a truly good man, Brett Kavanaugh. People that seemed like crackpots. Well, they were uh, we're being taken seriously, crackpot. And a guy who doesn't come off as a crackpot at all doesn't, uh, you know, they don't. They do, yeah. Well, they don't even mention the story. The New York Times hasn't met a single anonymous source they didn't love, but this guy with all of his documentation, oh please, Rudy Giuliani's involved, which honestly doesn't help. So this, so does he claim he actually met with Joe Biden? Yeah, himself? there was a dinner meeting. Although it's still, because Sean's got this theory, and I wonder if it could be true. Okay. Could Hunter have been telling people he was cutting his dad in on various stuff and saying that in emails and everything like and that? And keeping but the 10%? Wasn't. Well, for, for a variety of reasons. One, to keep the money. Two, it's like good leverage. I mean, you know, it's like you got to, I mean, because it's, you know, he's a powerful guy. He's going to need his taste. And and he knows he can't pull his dad into us because his dad's not that kind of guy. Well, the only person who would pull that sort of thing would be like, I don't know, a cokehead. It seems... Hunter, you're a loser. It seems perfectly on brand. I think the... <laughs> I think Maybe he's paying off some sort of stripper baby mama. It's possible the... the, uh, the I think it's more likely Joe Biden was getting paid. Really? Yes. Oh, I don't know if I think it's more likely that. I think it makes perfectly good sense that Joe Biden's mistake on this is he doesn't know how uh, bad a guy his son is. His son was dealing at a much worse level than he realizes. Well, let's counter to what Bobolinsky's saying. He's saying he was constantly, Joe Biden okay. was constantly consulted. Yeah, he is saying that. Yeah, so. But was I, it, I don't hate it as a theory like in a movie. But was he involved in those consultations, or was Hunter just telling him, hey, I just talked to the big guy? And, yeah, and you, here's you, what's going on. Yeah, you'd have to yeah, you'd have to nail that down. There because... was more of the latter, but I know there was one dinner meeting. They texted back and forth about whether it was ha- could happen, if it could happen. Hunter was okay. going to get in touch with his dad, blah blah blah. And then there was a follow up text. Thanks for making that happen. So we'll uh, see if anything comes out of this. I'm I'm you know I'm not certain of anything, but I I am certain that the New York Times should be looking into this. Oh yeah. Uh, well yeah, but as as Sean said. It's a dead tree. Quit asking it to bear fruit. As Lan He Chen said, they're just not in that business anymore. Forget about it. Mm. They're not journalists Forget anymore. Forget about it? Is that what you're saying? Look, I played right into his you trap, You were born folks. in Italy? I was... Have you ever gone by the name Joey Ravioli? That's eh, our question. Not, not recently. <laughs> eh, I don't know. What do I you don't think? remember. What do you think of all this? Uh, text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. If you go and look at what's happened to New York, it's a ghost town. It's a ghost town. And when you talk about plexiglass, these are restaurants that are dying. These are businesses with no money. Putting up plexiglass is unbelievably expensive, and it's not the answer. I mean, you're going to sit there in a cubicle wrapped around with plastic. It's, these are businesses that are dying, Joe. You can't do that to people. You Which just can't. Take a look at New York and what's happened to my wonderful city for, for so many years. I loved it. It was vibrant. It's dying. Everyone's leaving New York. Uh, the president making the uh, the point that we need to learn to live safely with the COVID as opposed to shutting everything down. I thought that was one of the better moments in the debate last night. Um, of course, you know, that's the way I, I swing, as you know, if you listen to the show. <laughs> I don't know how important this is, but th- this was a headline out of Fox. But I did see this a lot of places on Twitter. Biden shocks debate viewers with bizarre Hitler reference. Yes, there was that. Ding! Um, yes, it was, it was very odd. I wish Trump had drilled down on that. Um, cause Trump was talking about being friends with North Korea and we ought to be friends with people. You know, maybe it's a good idea to be friends with people, blah, 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 right. that yeah. whole thing. And Biden says, well, we were friends with Hitler, but look what happened or something like that. And, and a lot of people before were, he invaded Europe, a lot of people's reaction was we were friends with Hitler. When, what? when, when was that period? I missed that somehow. I'm not a fan of Hitler. There right, you go. Right. Oh, speaking of cities that are ghost towns, I read you a chunk of that piece in the uh, Spectator UK about the British journalist who embedded himself with the Antifa thugs uh, for a while. And there are a couple of things didn't get a chance to get to just very briefly that I want to hit. Number one, he repeats what we've been telling you. Antifa's tactic is to provoke the police into an act of violence. Give them no choice. Then tape it. And release it so they can claim they're being oppressed. Yeah, that's their playbook. They do it over and over and over again. That's pretty good. Um, And he also said, uh, along everything I saw, the police, including being cleared from an alleyway at gunpoint, along with a dozen or so Antifa activists, I would say that uh, most U.S. federal agents have the patience of saints. Can't imagine doing that job. Yeah, yeah, I know it, especially as their uh, city leaders are undermining them uh, at every point. We got this. Oh, you know, it's a great piece. We'll we'll post it for you at armstrongandgetty.com. That's awesome. Yeah. We got this text on the text line, which is my favorite place to get them. 415-295-KFTC. Text, hey, Lizard King. This person was listening earlier when I mentioned that we, uh, my son has a gecko, but because of the way it often works with kids' pets, <clears throat> I have a gecko, and then <clears throat> I primarily do the feeding and taking care of. Funny how that goes. <laughs> it's only completely predictable. But, um... Hey, Lizard King, you know what happens next, right? First a lizard, then you get a snake. Then you get a very few, very visible tattoos. Then perhaps the eyeliner. And then to show off your tattoos, that's right, tank tops. Don't you know that lizards are a gateway pet to becoming snake guy? Tank tops, Jack. Black tank tops with some sort of goth message. Mark my words. <laughs> and then and then he acts as if that's the, the final stage. Then bigger snake guy. Big python guy. Then dead at the hands of his <laughs> python guy. And yes, I know pythons have no hands. That kind of is why they're snakes. I uh, I would not become snake guy. And if it weren't for my son, we would not have a gecko. And if you know, he ever decides he wants to get rid of it, we'll put it up for sale. Does but, it have a British accent like the Geico one? Yeah. 
or Australian. I can't tell the difference. Oh, well. um, uh, but there is something. I get something out of having a lizard. Just something about how basic they are. And it just, I don't know, it has some sort of effect on my view of the world or whatever. It's just, they got nothing going on. They're a reptile. They got nothing going on in their brain. Yeah. Warm rock. I think I'll sit here for warm a Warm rock. Is that some food? Nope. Just sit here on the warm rock. You know, I don't know I don't know why it has some sort of calming something. Maybe that's what snake dudes get out of their snakes. How much time do we have, Michael? A minute and a half. There's an ongoing uh, controversy in my extended house with my 21-year-old daughter who's off at college. Uh, she she calls m- my beloved dog Baxter, and this is a strong term, folks, and I apologize in advance. And I quote, a fake-ass hoe. Mm. Uh, that's uh, young woman lingo for someone who pretends to be your friend, but actually just wants something from you. Gotcha. And I will tell you that Baxter the dog, who's half Black Lab and half Border Collie, is uh, utterly nakedly transactional. He is transparently transactional. And... I try to explain to her the reason is because he's so bright. If he sees any sign that you're about to do something he likes or leads to doing something he likes, he makes it clear what he wants you to do. Um, he's just he's super, super perceptive. And so he appears it, it's almost a little off-putting. A dumber dog would be like, oh, you, you got the, he's putting food in the bowl. He's putting food in the bowl. Baxter's like, oh, you're heading toward the garage. How about I lick your hand a little bit? Remind you the food's in the garage. Food's right out there, man. Why don't you grab it while you're out there? <laughs> That's Baxter. It's amazing how they pick up on the various clues. Oh, yeah, so smart. Armstrong and Getty.